Amen. We are in a series called Choosing the Cross. As we head into our resurrection season, here we are, Choosing the Cross. And last week we talked about stumbling, how even as believers we often can see the cross and the call to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Christ. Sometimes that might mean enduring suffering, enduring rejection, and even enduring some death to self. And it's so easy, even as believers who know who Jesus is, that we fear that, uh, that, that thing, that call to discipleship, and we often stumble over the cross. We reject it. And today we're going to talk about fearing the cross uh, and how the glory of God can be concealed by fear. Let me give you a little story. Uh, Soichi Yokoi was a Japanese sergeant during World War II on the island of Guam. And when the U.S. soldiers took over Guam uh, at the end of World War II in 1944, uh, he and nine other soldiers fled into the jungles of Guam. And for 20 years, these guys hid in the jungle until uh, only Soichi remained. Everyone else had fled or either died. And he lived out there in the jungles of Guam, hunting and gathering and living on frogs and rats and snails and shrimp and mangoes. And finally, after 28 years of living like a hermit, he was found by some hunters and he, they struggled to bring him out, and they brought him out, and they found out who he was. Uh, and he, they told him, don't you know the war has been over for a long time now? And he comes out, and he says, yes, I saw the pamphlets in the jungle. And he knew 20 years ago that the war had ended, yet for 20 years he remained hiding in the jungle. And they asked him, why did you do that? And he said, because it is taught in Japanese culture. It is better to die than to be captured alive. For the shame of capture and the fear of death, he remained a hermit for 28 years, hiding from the world. His family thought he was dead. They had a burial for him. But he suffered 28 years as a hermit instead of facing death or instead of facing the shame of capture. I thought that was an interesting story. Uh, how many people would do that, right? I'm just going to be giving, I'm going to give up. I'm sorry, y'all. I need, there's no holiday inn in the jungle. You're just going to take me now, you know. Uh, but, you know, sometimes it's, it, we can face situations like that in life. Uh, maybe you're like some people. My wife and I have to argue about this sometimes. It's even us, like, where do you eat? You know, this is a popular marriage argument. Like, we don't eat anywhere. And sometimes, guess what? We've driven home because we just can't decide. You know, uh, because I'm not going to just stand there at the stoplight. We're going to make a decision. We're going to either go there or I'm going home. And if you don't tell me we're going there, I'm just heading straight home. That's just me. So, Lord, forgive me, right? But sometimes we fear making a difficult decision. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's scary to make a difficult decision because you don't know what the consequences are going to be. So we run from it. We hide from it. We choose inactivity versus making the wrong decision. Anybody like that? Just be honest. I'd rather make no decision than the wrong decision. Come on, let me see your hands. I mean, how many? There's a lot of people are like that. And some of us are like, I'd rather make a wrong decision than no decision. How many people are like that? I'd rather make a wrong decision. So see, there's more people in the other camp, all right? I'm like that on the other. I've got to make a decision. doesn't matter what it is. Just make something. 
But sometimes when you get two difficult situations in front of you, sometimes we live with the consequence of inactivity, hiding from it. And I think Christianity sometimes is similar, especially in America. Uh, We fear following Christ and going all in. You know, and first, we decide to accept Christ as Savior, and that's salvation. That's, that's the easy part for, for really for uh, the journey that we're on. Well, it may be hard to give everything up, but first we come to a, an altar of our hearts, and we say, God, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and then that's it. You're saved. You're good enough to go to heaven. That's all you've got to do right there, profession of faith. The blood of Jesus covers you, cleanses you of all sin, no condemnation now. And now you can go straight into the streets of glory should the rapture come or God call you home. But for those of us who remain on the earth after that decision, there is a second thing. It's a call to follow Jesus in discipleship. And that call is not very popular in American Christianity. That call is a call to take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow him. It is a call to death, to suffering. And sometimes, uh, while we know that salvation is free, discipleship can cost us everything. And so many times we have our minds set on all the things that we'll lose. We have our minds set on all the unknowns that might come our way. And that fear consumes us. Think about it like this. And you can't clearly see the future in Jesus Christ. You can think things like, well, I regret going all the way. What if he calls me to Africa? And that's the biggest fear. You know, what if he calls me to Africa? Or what does the future hold? What will happen if I give up everything and follow him? Where is this going to lead me? Or what am I going to have to give up? What if he asks me to sell my truck or my home? And will this be any fun, this Christian thing? I don't get to drink anymore. I'm not going to that activity or that activity. Or, or maybe the sacrifice is going to be too much and I'm going to give up on it. <clears throat> or we think, man, that's too great of a price. Maybe giving up all my freedom and all my control and all my free will I'm going to live this horrible life where it's not going to be no fun and and giving God everything. It's just going to be this painful life I'm going to hate to endure. And we can think that. I just want to stay saved. I I don't want to go all the way. I don't want to give up all that stuff. But so many would rather live outside of the blessings of God than die with Christ. And that's what we're talking about today. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. It's on the screen behind you. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says this. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul says, Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in where? In glory. He is saying, the Apostle Paul is challenging us this morning as we get into our main text. He's saying, guys, when you die with him... Yeah, it's going to be hard. Yeah, there's going to be things you're going to have to give up. But if you're setting your mind on all the death around you, if you're setting your mind on all the circumstances around you, if you're setting your mind on all the painful things and looking to the past and all the things you've had to give up and you've had to surrender, yeah, that's a kind of depressing way to look at Christianity. But if you would set your mind on Christ and all you're going to gain, then you'll understand God has glory to glory to glory prepared for you. Amen? So, look with me today in Mark chapter 9, verse 30. That's our main text today. Mark chapter 9, verse 30. The glory of God is concealed when the fear of the cross is revealed. That's what we're talking about today. The glory of God will be concealed in your life 
if the fear of the cross is something that keeps being revealed, if we're scared, if we're fearful of following Jesus to the death of self, then we will forever miss the glory of God he wants to pour out on your life and reveal to you. So we're going to talk about the fear we've got to remove to see the glory of God. If you're with me this morning, Mark chapter 9, verse 30, somebody say amen. Amen. Okay, let me give you the context here. Peter has just, uh, just a few chapters back, accepted Christ as Messiah. Uh, he, he said, Jesus, you are the Christ. So now we know who he is. And that's almost a salvation proclamation right there. We say, I get it. You are the Son of God. You are the Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, the promised one. Yes, we're sticking with you, Jesus. So they, they get who he is. And now they've gone to the Mount of Transfiguration. It's a mountain where Jesus goes up. The glory of God descends upon him. He is robes and everything turn white. His glory is radiating. Moses and Elijah are come down, and the Father of God speaks and says, Hey, you guys, be quiet. Listen to my son. He is who he says he is. You know, stop messing around. Follow this guy. He's my son. I like him. And so they see Christ revealed. So now, okay, Jesus, you're the Christ. All right, now I see the glory of God for a moment. Descend on the mountain. And guess what? You would think, I don't know about you, but if I was on a mountain with a guy who could heal the lame and, and the lepers and, and, you know, not the leopards, the lepers, and, and multiply some food and stuff like that, and I saw, you know, two dead dudes talking, glory shining, and God's voice speaking, how many people would think, I'm thinking I'm going to follow this guy, right? It would be kind of like a no-brainer, right? But guess what? There was things in their hearts that kept the glory hidden. Because sometimes I think, God, these are no-brainer situations, right? But guess what? They come down from the mountain. On the way down from the mountain, guess what they're doing? They're arguing over who's the greatest. Then they come up to a father with a demon-possessed epileptic boy. And they try to pray Jesus' name on this kid, and nothing happens. And Jesus comes up and says, hey, what's going on? How how long am I going to have to deal with you guys and all your ignorance? So he casts the demon out of the boy, and they find out, why couldn't I cast the demon out? They say, well, because you haven't prayed enough. Your faith is not there. And so Jesus, having seen Jesus in his glory, yet there's still something in their hearts. And in this moment, the crowd is amazed at what had just happened. Jesus just healed this boy of this spirit. But he turns to his disciples and ignoring all the chaos that had been going on. Here's what he begins to teach his disciples. Look with me, Mark 9, 30. I'm going to intersperse now uh, in the Bible. We have it called the Synoptic Gospel. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke often tell the same stories from three different perspectives. I'm going to blend those three perspectives today in this one text. Okay, so bear with me. Mark 9, 30. So it says, uh, Mark says, For he was teaching his disciples and telling them. And Luke says, Let these words sink into your ears. And Mark goes, Now the Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he has been killed, he will rise three days later, Jesus said. But they did not understand this statement. And Luke adds, and it was because it was concealed from them, so they would not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him. And Matthew would add, because they were deeply grieved. Judas would hand Jesus over to the priests. And the priests would hand Jesus over to the Romans. And the Romans would hand Jesus over to the mob. And Jesus is saying, there's coming a day. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be killed. But I'm going to rise again. One of the first times he talks about the resurrection. But in all of this, 
No one is getting it. No one would understand what he was saying because all they could focus on was the gore of the cross and they did not see God's glory for the lost. All right? They, all they could see was the gore of the cross and they missed God's glory for the lost. Let's talk about fearing for a moment. How many people have heard this lay, uh, phrase, I sleep like a baby? Anybody know? You know we heard that phrase, right? As a young father, I have a four-year-old and a nine-month-old. I have no idea what they're talking about. Just going to let you be honest, uh, be honest with you. I sleep like a baby. You know what that means? That means walk out of this room like a ninja. That's what I understand that phrase to mean, because you lay that baby down, you better not creak on a piece of wood as you're walking out the door. The, bar- the dog better not bark, or the other four-year-old in the house better not scream, because you just laid the baby down. Or, you know, no loud noises. Now, both of my kids have slept all night long from an earliest age, so we are very blessed. God's blessed us with that. Somebody say amen. I mean, uh, uh, some of the other were like, I don't know if they could say amen, because, you know, you got young kids at home who aren't sleeping through the night yet. But, but sleep like a baby, what does that mean? Now, when the baby's asleep and it's like, oh, it's so peaceful, why is it so peaceful? Because that's what I'm getting at. It's because why they don't have a care in the world. They're not thinking about bills or escrow or insurance payments or cars or going to the, all this stuff you got to do because why? All I know is mom and dad, everything's fine. I get fed. That's it. I'm good. And so they have peace. There's no fear in their life. They have no care in the world. And in this moment, the disciples are fearful. They're grieving because why? They're starting to understand Christ is going to die. Their most cherished ideas about the Messiah, one author says, were being dashed to pieces. And they're thinking, Jesus, this stuff is heavy. You didn't tell me that this was going to happen. But really what was going on is they feared losing Jesus, but not for themselves or not for for what he was going to go through, but for themselves. They feared that I thought I was on the road to victory. I thought I was on the road where this guy was going to be all that. We were going to be seated right there with him as he takes on Rome and conquers the world. And this guy was going to lead us to power and glory. But now he's telling us he's going to die. That's all they could think about. All of their fears came up. All the grief came up. And it's not the journey they thought. And because of fear, they so quickly forgot about the glory God had just revealed on the mountain. And so it's things like this when we think about in our lives. I bring this back to uh, the modern age with us and and, and the modern church. It's things like this. Jesus, you didn't tell me uh, my family would hate me. Jesus, you didn't tell me I'd have to break up with her or him. Jesus, you didn't tell me I have to leave my friends behind. Or Jesus, you didn't tell me you're going to ask me to not buy those trucks I used to buy or all that stuff I used to have. Or Jesus, you didn't tell me I'm going to have to sell all these things or I was going to have to give up this amount of money and, and do this or serve that many times. Or I didn't have the free time I once did. And, and sometimes it's like that in Christianity that we begin to grieve when the message gets too heavy. And the preacher preaches too rough or too hard or the cost is too high. And how many Christians today in America get weak in the knees when the call to discipleship involves taking some risks? Or the call to discipleship says, let's sacrifice our wants. Or the call to discipleship says, give up that relationship or conquer your fear or oh, get outside of your comfort zone. Ooh, that's, that's a hard one. Now, I grew up a shy, quiet 
back row person. Let me tell you, it is not in my comfort zone to be here on this platform any day of the week. But there are things that God calls us to because he says, why I want to use you and get some glory out of your weakness. I want to take you to a place where I can use you. And if we're always focused on the sacrifice and the cross, we'll often miss the glory of God to be revealed in your life. And so the Bible says there that they were afraid to ask. Ever been afraid to ask something from somebody like a boss? Like he explains something to you and you say, oh, yeah, yeah, I got that. And then you realize, no, no, wait a minute, I didn't get that. And you won't, you won't go back and ask them because you don't want to be embarrassed or something like that? Well, they're puzzled. Here's the disciples. Jesus says he's going to die. And so they're puzzled. Now, this has already happened once, and Peter got rebuked for it. So I'm not going to ask anything. You're not gonna, uh, he's not asking, so I'm not going to ask. And so they're puzzled. They're afraid to ask questions. In their mind, they're thinking, guys, we are about to choose defeat. We're going to be on mockery. We're going to be labeled as crazy. Maybe he's not the guy that he says he was because the guy that I thought he was supposed to be was be victorious. And, and we were going to be called a heretic and fanatics and, and traitors and criminals. And you got, you got mind, things going through your mind like, am I going to be hurt? Am I going to be rejected? Are we going to die with this guy? Uh, are we going to be condemned and, and forsaken too? And you think, well, okay, where are we going to eat? We're going to sleep. And who's going to take care of my family? And what's going to go on from here? Trust me, I know. As a person who gave up their degree in college, to go tell your parents, hey, you guys help me just pay, you know, $60,000 to go to this college, but I'm not going to do that no more. Now, luckily, thank the Lord, I had Christian parents. They understood. They're proud of me. But still, right, there are things we give up. Hey, I'm not taking that job, or I'm moving out of state, or I'm doing these things. And so we begin to think, God, is this worth it? And so they were afraid to even ask, God, what is going to become of me? Lord, how are you going to, you know, God is such a loving and caring God that he helps us in our weakness. And they would learn later in John 15, 17, he says, if you just abide in me, and if my words would abide in you, you could ask whatever you wish, and it would be done for you. Now, what is he saying? We're going to go through hard times in life, and that call to discipleship may be too heavy. That call, you think, man, God, what is going to happen? And you don't even know to ask the question. God, how is this even something I'm wanting to sign up for? I want to be saved. I don't want to go to hell. But God, is this journey going to be too heavy? And we begin to stop there. And instead of taking a step of faith and working it out and struggling with God, you know, God was patient with Gideon to put three fleeces out. God was patient with Moses every time that Moses was, wanted to intercede with Israel. And even after he uh, struck the rock, God was patient. God's loving. God's kind. He wants you on this journey with him. And so he's willing to endure us a little bit. And so Jesus says, if you would just believe what I say, if you just let my words abide in you and have faith, ask from the position of faith, ask me. And so the lesson for the first part of fear is this. Learn to trust him. We're no different today. We try to avoid making decisions of discipleship. So we choose inactivity. I know I've been there. We hide in that cave, just like that man in the jungle. That means we, we sit on that pew. We, we come to Christ on our own terms. We come to church on our own terms. But we never go all the way in. I would never go on a mission trip to Africa. I would never get up and talk on that stage. I would never do this. Or I'm not the type of person. I would never go across the street and talk to that stranger there. What are you doing? You're telling Jesus what you wouldn't do because you're fearful of the cross. And we don't even know we do it. I used to say, I would never dance in the Lord. I'm not, I hate, I'm not a dancer, just to let you know. 
you will hardly or almost never see me dance. That was one of the biggest things when my wife, uh, Beth, loves dance and all that. She married the wrong dude for that. Now, I will confess, for one of our anniversaries, I did buy her ballroom dancing, and we went through all that, and I told her that was a once-in-a-lifetime thing, baby. You know, you got it. There it is. And, uh, but, you know, there's things sometimes we've told God, I'm not going to do this. God, I want to be saved. I'll do whatever you want me to do, but I won't ever do that. And we might even never say it vocally. We never might even ask and work, at, work it out with God. But he's saying, if you'll just talk with me a little bit about it, if you'll just work with me a little bit about it, you would just believe that I've got this. Trust me. And you can ask anything you want, and it's going to be worked out with you. Let's not come to Christ in church on our own terms. And I want to think about this. These men had already been tithing. They had already been learning the scriptures. They had already left their families. They had already left their jobs. Anybody done that yet? And yet here they stand, still not ready to go all in. What does that mean where you and I are today? They tithed. They learned the scriptures. They left their families. They left their jobs. What was standing in the way? It was the ultimate sacrifice is the death of self. To say, God, I'm all in, arms open wide, arms abandoned. I'm going to go wherever you go. Lord, I'm learning to trust you. That's number one. Number one is when we have fear in our life, number one, learn to trust him. Jesus said, Mark 10, 15, truly I say to you, if you do not receive the kingdom of God like a child, like that sweet little baby that, has a, uh, that sleeps like a baby, uh, if you don't understand, if you don't follow God like a child, you'll not enter it all. Why? Because you can't get past the cross. The next is concealing. The next is concealing. Uh, there's a very popular old song we used to sing. It's called At the Cross. It says, At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my what? Sight. And now I am happy all the day. He received his sight by faith, and it resulted in happiness, joy. And, and, and what is that? Something was hidden that was revealed where? At the cross. At the cross, I saw something, and it affected a change in my life. And sometimes it's that same way. There is a glory God wants to reveal at the place of death in your life. But sometimes we are so blind to the glory that's beyond the cross that we can't get past the death that is due to Jesus and to me. And so when we experience the cross with Christ, though, the glory of God, he says, now I'm happy all the day. That glory made a permanent impression upon his soul. How many could say the glory of God has made a permanent impression upon my soul? See, the the disciples had received the glory of Christ in part on the Mount of Transfiguration. But when Jesus says, I'm going to die and be resurrected, they never heard the resurrected part. All they could hear was all of their dreams, all of their ambitions, all the things they'd have to sacrifice, all the things they'd have to lose. And we're no different today, church. They could not see what was above because they feared what they'd have to go through below. They were just starting to understand Christ's death, but they had no comprehension of the glory and the resurrection to come. They got the glory of Christ as Savior, as the Son of God, but they failed to get the glory of the cross. 
Everybody had their eyes on the wrong thing. The crowd, they're focused on the power of the miracles. Jesus turns for them to begin to talk about the cross. The Pharisees, they had the, the, their eyes on the glory and the power of their position and the status and the public opinion that they had. And the disciples, likewise, they had their eyes all on the power of their position in the church and who would be the greatest and what we could do and not do and how people would think awesome things about us. And yet all the while, all this is going on at the base of this mountain and Jesus is talking about one thing. He's talking about the cross. All of them had missed it. It was concealed from their eyes. Romans 6, 5 says it this way. He says, we have been united with him in the likeness of his death. Then certainly shall we also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Paul was saying, guys, if you really want to live, you've got to understand. You've got to die. If you really want to experience the glory of God in your life, you've got to let the fear uh, that's concealing that glory fade away. The Bible says that the gospel is only veiled to those who are perishing. But how many, how many confess Christ in American church today? They confess him, they'll be baptized in water, and six months later, because God says you can't date that person, or because God says you're going to have to go through this suffering or trial, or the te- testing begins to come, and the temptation begins to come, and yet all of the things that are now on the earth that begin affecting them. Because let me tell you something, young person, young Christian, the devil is out to get you. As a Christian, you've got a target on your back. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. Jesus says you're going to have to endure suffering and tribulation and trial. And the world is going to hate you. But what is the opposite of that? What is, why can we endure all that? It's that he's saying, guys, but beyond that place, when you understand that there is glory beyond your cross, if you would die with me, you will live. You'll receive the glory that God had for the Father. But so many times, the glory is concealed by all the affairs of this world. I want to be saved, Pastor Heath. I want to come to church. I want to pay my tithes. I want to be a good person. I'm not going to have sex outside of marriage. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to cuss. And that's all good. And I hope you're doing all of that. But that's not even the tip of the iceberg of Christianity. Because sometimes we've got bad opinions We've got bad temperaments. We've got bad personalities. And God wants to use you to do some great and mighty things. How many people are confident that I can cast a demon out of somebody like these disciples that failed to do that? I want to know how many Christians in America today could go up against a demon in the name of Jesus and win. That's the kind of Christianity God made on this earth for these disciples to spread. But yet so many times there's so much fear, so much lack of power Because there's so many things God is saying, guys, I'm patient with you. If you just ask me, we work through this stuff. But there's glory, there's power, there's honor. But it comes at a price of discipleship that says, there's things I want to reveal to you, but there might be some areas off limit to the Holy Spirit in your life. God, I know a lady, uh, one of my, she was my evangelism director up in Missouri. And the Lord told her one time, she, had a, she wasn't a very rich lady. She was a very poor lady, but uh, didn't have much, single lady, single mom. And uh, the Lord told her, take, go into your closet, take everything out of your closet, put it in a trash bag, and take it to the church. There's a lady there who needs it. So not having hardly anything, she took everything out of her closet, bagged it in a trash bag, took it to the church, and gave it to this lady who needed it. And it happened to be all her size. She didn't know any of this. God just said it. And so she's got no clothes. 
Now, that's important to have in the world today, to have clothes to wear, right? But yet, here comes, within the next day or two, someone drives up to her porch, gets out of their car, and says, hey, I had all these clothes. Uh, you know, I was pregnant or something, something, and I was getting rid of all these things. And so, here's these clothes, and, and I just wanted to get, bless you. Bags and bags and bags of clothes, and every one of them was her size. You see how that works with God? Sometimes they're so scared of, what if I do this, God? What if I take a leap of faith? I don't see beyond the sacrifice. But God's just like, just trust me. Learn to love me. Don't you know I love you? I care for you. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom. Everything you need will be added unto you. But you've got to seek the kingdom of God first. Believe God loves you, that you can trust him. And so here they find that it was concealed because they had not yet learned to fully love God. John 14, 21, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. I love that verse. It means that if I begin to just love back on Jesus, the more I put my love back on Jesus, the more he's going to reveal things. There are things in our lives that are so concealed. Man, I want to get more of God. I want to get a bigger revelation of God's love. I want to get a bigger revelation of his power that, that can be used in my life. I want to get a bigger revelation of what God wants to do in this church and in your marriage and your life and, and in all of our jobs and all that stuff and our kids and what he wants to do through my kids and your kids. Let's get a bigger revelation of that. But sometimes it's concealed through this thing. We were saying, God, this is all scary water. This is off limits. This is places where I don't get it. He said, just learn to trust me. Just learn to love me. And I'll disclose myself to you. I'll reveal myself to you. And lastly is revealing. Fearing, concealing, and revealing. How how are you going to make it on this journey of discipleship? How do you go all the way in? with no fear, nothing. And I'm not there yet, church. I'm, I'm struggling just like we all are. But Spurgeon, great, great pastor, preacher, commentator, he said this about the cross, because it all stands at the cross. He says, we owe all to Jesus crucified. What's your life, brothers, but the cross? Whence comes the bread of your soul from the cross? What's your joy but the cross? What is your delight? What's your heaven but the blessed one, the crucified one for you? Whoever lives to make intercession for you, cling to the cross. Then put both arms around it and hold on to the, hold to the crucified and never let him go. Come afresh to the cross at this moment and rest there now and forever. That's beautiful. That we could come to the place which was death, which was grimy, which was gory, that led to say, I'm giving up everything in my home and my life and my marriage and my finances. I'm giving it all up. And yet that place to be the most beautiful place in your life. And let me tell you, no, there's so many I'm preaching right now do not understand. Because in the world today, it's, it's just, I don't get it. Why would I want to do that? That's not good to the flesh. Yeah, that's right. It hurts. It hurts when God says, give $1,000 out of your bank account to this person or that person. It hurts when God says, sell this or sell that and give it away and sell it to missions. It hurts when God says, hey, why don't you try tithing? Why don't you try this? Or it hurts when God says, hey, 
you're not involved right now. Why don't you jump on a kid's team or our youth team? And you think, God, I don't have time to make food as it is. I, I barely get home, and, man, we fall asleep, and it's crazy busy at my house. I know. I'm there too. But there's glory to be revealed. And so the glory has got to outshine the sacrifice. Are you with me this morning? Does this make any sense? This was an unexpected message. It was a hidden mystery. And I want you to, I'll end with this. Jesus told them, he said, let this sink in to your ears. What was he saying there? Let this sink in to your ears. He knew they confessed him as Christ. He knew they saw him transfigured on the mountain, which none of us have seen. But he knew they had not yet had a revelation by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was not yet living in them. And we would go on from this story. And the Bible would say that Jesus would tell them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he says, there's nothing hidden that is not meant to be revealed. Peter would go on. The disciples would go on. They would attempt their very best out of their own ability, their own flesh, to follow him to the cross. But yet they would deny him, each one of them. And only John would make it follow Jesus to the cross. Everyone else would stand at a distance. And they would all reject him, deny him, and flee from him. Because why? To the flesh, the cross is a place of death. And it's a place to be feared. And it's a place to run away to the jungle and hide. It's a place of inactivity where I fail to make a decision and I'm just going to keep on being a Christian and going to church and sitting on a pew. And I'm just going to live that life until Jesus comes. But that's not where Christ is calling us to. He says, would you follow me? Take up your cross. God, though, is so loving and so patient, so awesome. His grace is sufficient. He comes as a resurrected Savior, comes to the disciples. He meets them where they are, to the place where they have fled. And he tells them, I still got work for you to do. Would you accept the call again? And they all, in the glory they receive revealed in the resurrected Savior, receive it. And they follow him back to Jerusalem. And there they receive the Holy Spirit and what? Power. And they receive the power they need, and in the moment of, re- of refilling and baptize, they're all transformed. And they receive what was needed, not in their flesh, but in the Spirit of God. Let me tell you something. You can't crucify yourself by the flesh. You won't want to. You'll want to run from it. And it's by the Spirit of God. The only way these guys had revelation, the only way they crucified their, their flesh, the only way they had any sense of the glory to be revealed is because the Spirit of God helped them. You see, the Spirit of God is in a revealing business. He's one, He wants to take you to a place where He says, let me help you. You know, it's so easy for us as Christians to stumble and fall and say, God, I failed to give it all again. God, I'm so sorry I made a mistake. I'm just done. I'm done trying. I didn't do good that time. I said things I shouldn't have said. I did things I shouldn't have did. Lord, I'm a horrible person, and I'm and I just tired, and I'm giving up. I'm, I'm done. That's the place where God says, if you would just keep on seeking me. If you would just keep on seeking me, don't be fearful to ask God for help. You're going to fail most likely on this road to discipleship. But if you keep on seeking, you'll keep on receiving. Luke tells us in 11, chapter 11, he says, I say to you, ask, it'll be given. Seek, you'll find. Knock, it'll be open. Everyone who asks, they'll receive. He who seeks will find. And him who knocks, it'll be open. These are two, a, guy, a bunch of guys he knows are about to fail him. And he says, but suppose one of you is a father and you ask your son for a fish. He's not going to give him a snake instead of a fish. 
Or if he asks for an egg, he's not going to give him a scorpion. But if you, being evil, fleshly, carnal-minded men and women, know how to give good, decent gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit, the best gift of all, to those who ask? You may be finding this message difficult today. You may be finding the sacrifice. I know, I know, I know this for a fact. There are no doubt people in this room whose God is asking more of. And you've been stuck at a place of inactivity and not knowing what to do or how to do it. And you've been afraid to ask. You've been afraid to take a step out of faith. It's okay. It's okay. Stop making it such a burden on yourself. God is gracious. He'll meet you where you are. And you can't do it alone. The disciples, having seen Jesus in glory on the mountain, couldn't do it. Neither can you. And say, God, I need the Holy Spirit I'm seeking. I'm, I fell off the horse, God. I'm getting back up again. Lord, I'm seeking you. And he says, if you just seek me, you'll find me. I'm going to meet you where you are. I'm going to help you on that road to the cross. And maybe the good news really for us today is this. You are not alone on this journey. And when you fail, God is there. He wants to meet you where you are, pick you up, and help you to take your cross and follow him. And he's going to lead you from glory to glory to glory. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Worship team, would you come? Hallelujah, Lord. Holy are you, Lord God. Worthy are you, Lord Jesus. Paul says this message was kept secret for centuries, but it's now been revealed to you, God's people. And God wants you to know the riches and glory of Christ. And this is the secret Christ lives in you, and he gives you full assurance of sharing in his glory. Church, it's okay to take up your cross. You are not walking this road alone. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you.